What's up, everyone? Welcome again to another episode of Crossover Commerce. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is my corner of the internet, as the introduction implies, uh, where I bring on the best Amazon and e-commerce experts uh, in this space to kind of give you their knowledge and insights to help you level up your business and understanding of whatever topic we're going to be uh, touching on today. Uh, but before we dive into everything, I just want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Ping Pong Payments. This podcast is presented by Ping Pong Payments. Uh, no, not a table tennis company or something that you play for fun. Uh, it, it is a solution that actually helps with your cross-border payments. So what does that mean? We're going to be talking about payments today. This is going to be a solution that helps you send money effectively, quickly, um, and get uh, have time-saving uh, notions to it, whether that's paying your VA, your supplier, your manufacturer, or uh, any entity in a different denomination, but then also you can receive in multiple different marketplaces worldwide by using ping pong payments. Saving money is super important. And we'll talk about that by adding to your bottom line. Uh, you don't want to pay fees where there's unnecessary ones and you can actually have control over more of those. So go ahead and sign up for ping pong payments today. You can do that by clicking on the link in the comments section below. If you're watching us live or it's in the show notes, if you're listening to this podcast on your favorite destination, whether it be Amazon music, Apple podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all those favorite, all of your favorite podcast destinations. That's where crossover commerce will be. That being said, this is again episode 157 of this awesome show that I have called Crossover Commerce. Again, touching on multiple different things in the e-commerce space. I'm excited to talk about today um, with one of our guests because in a in a space where numbers don't always necessarily add up, as entrepreneurs, we want to make sure that business that we're getting in, whether it be the product, the service, or the industry that we're in, makes sense monetarily, right? So we want to make sure that money is going to, we're going to get a profit for the investment that we're putting in. Economics 101, for the time and sweat equity and just the monetary equity that we're putting into a solution or a product, we want to make sure that it's going to be profitable for us. That being said, there's all sorts of fees, there's all sorts of uh, regulations, there's all sorts of uh, codes that you have to be up in, no matter what marketplace you might be selling on, it's important to understand what those uh, fees, those regulations, those numbers, what they mean to you as a business owner and as a business or a brand. So that being said, kind of pulling back the curtain today, we're going to make sure that these numbers add up in your favor so that you can continue to grow your business and brand. That being said, wanted to bring on uh, Joseph Cox, actually, of e-commerce accountants. He and his team uh, are based in the United Kingdom, and they have an accountancy practice that specializes in working with e-commerce and online businesses specifically. Uh, aside from their accountancy, actually, Joe, who we're going to be speaking with today, runs several successful Amazon FBA businesses himself. So he has that inside knowledge of what you need to know in order to best have best practices, not getting in trouble with, let's call it VAT or GST authorities, or making sure that money makes sense. And the numbers at the end of the day makes sense because if you're a brand that's looking to, again, exit your business or sell your business to um, a private equity firm or someone who's looking to take on your business, the number one thing that people always say is having clean books. So that's what we're going to be diving into today, going into something uh, like I like to call making sure the numbers add up, UK accounting services, we'll call it accounting services in general. So let's go ahead and bring on our guest today, Joseph Cox of e-commerce accountants. Joseph, welcome to uh, Crossover Commerce. Thanks for joining us today. 
Hey, Ryan, thanks so much for having me. And um, I can't believe it, 157 episodes. No wonder this is such a professional and slick um, <laughs> production, honestly, sitting there in the, in the kind of backstage. It's, uh, yeah, it's incredibly impressive. Well, I appreciate it. It's, it's something that if you do it often enough, oh, I'm going to allude this to any sort of business practices it becomes habitual. The more you do it, the more you become comfortable with it and you get to tweak it as we go. I'm still not happy with my setup too. It's dark in here. I'm still playing around with lights, but hey, uh, podcasting can be an audio or a visual element. It depends on who it is, but I appreciate those kind of words, sir. Thank you so much. And you yourself are uh, uh, have content that goes out on YouTube as well as uh, sharing knowledge. So for people and our listener who's not uh, maybe as familiar with you, uh, whether they haven't come across your channel or just haven't used your services yet, give me that background. You're a seller, you're a service provider, you're kind of the this holy grail, if you will, you've of e-commerce solutions. You, you, you <laughs> help other people, but you know the insiders, uh, inside secrets because you are the seller, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would describe myself as the holy grail. I think um, that's <laughs> probably the nicest thing someone's ever said. Um, but yeah, I'd like to think we've got quite a, a good knowledge of, of the space. Um, I suppose to give everyone a quick um, overview of myself, I started um, an Amazon FBA business with my friends back in 2013, early 2013. Um, and at the time, I was a trainee accountant at a small firm in London. Um, probably like most e-commerce business owners, I hated my job, wanted to quit and kind of do my own thing. Um, and so when my friend, he, he originally did um, The Amazing Selling Machine, ASM, um, I think sure. he was in the, the second cohort of them. And um, he told me he spent like thousands of pounds on this course. And I was just like, what, you, that's crazy, like that, that much money. Um, but yeah, anyway, we did that. It was a real success and basically got to the point where I could quit my job and work on that full time. Um, but one thing I kind of made sure is that I finished all my training and my qualifications as an accountant, just because I thought, well, this, this whole Amazon FBA thing could be a flash in the pan. You know, it could be one or two years. Right. Um, and honestly, um, slightly segue in here, but I would never have said it, it would have lasted this long and been so like some of the businesses are still so strong. Um, and there's still so many new businesses as we see with our clients coming through. Um, it just shows you that that pie is so big that it kind of, people can still make a business these days. Um, but yeah, so we did that. I quit, I got to the point where I was fully qualified, quit my job, wanted to focus full time on, on our online businesses. And I then couldn't find an accountancy to outsource the books to that weren't going to charge me kind of through the nose. And I then kind of looked, and I just thought, I can't believe the domain e-commerce accountants is available. Um, and at the time I just bought it just as like a, oh, if ever I want to use it. Um, and we had five companies um, that we started, me and my friends, in each one that we'd kind of recruit another friend to start um, to kind of operate the brand and we would show them what we had done. So that like, we had a bunch of SOPs that we made and built out all these brands, had a, an office, had a bunch of interns there um and then i just ended up being like this in-house finance department where all i was doing was instead of dealing with all the brands i was dealing with all the finances um and eventually because like we would persuade all of our other friends to try and start businesses as they needed bookkeepers or accountants it just kind of happened that i was like oh well i'll do that and then um next thing you know i had to hire like a separate you know bookkeepers and train my own team um, so yeah, it just kind of organically 
happens really, which is kind of cool. Right. You're like, I can do those things. Why am I hiring someone else and spending my hard earned dollars on that one? I could do that myself. So interesting. So yeah. Team, yeah. So, so that realization, is that what you think is where well, a lot of business owners become? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No. So I think ideally I wanted to just give it to someone else who knew what they were doing. But there were no accountants at the time. Like it's crazy now, like 2013, you know, 2015. Um, stuff was actually so different. I, like when when we went, when I went to other accountants as a chartered accountant, and I'd say, well, here's this business. Um, we're selling goods. Um, we're buying goods in China. We're storing them in Germany and the US. And the, like they'd be like, what you you three 20 year old guys like what, what's going on like we've like, no no we're like turning over millions of pounds so they'd be like mm. and then kind of they'd see the numbers and just be like well where are the goods being stored how are you selling them and we'd be like well we're not but amazon's doing that there and you kind of don't want to give someone like i didn't want to hand over the books if someone doesn't really understand that concept i was just like well i may as well do it myself but if i had someone now basically if i had me now I would have definitely outsourced it, like given it to me because I've given it to the e-commerce accountants because then I could have spent my time focusing on growing those brands and, and things like that. Um, so I guess for any like, business owners out there, like even if you're in the US and we can't work with you on like your kind of accounting side of things, um, like you know, one of the things you really need to do is always look to find people that can that you can pay to do stuff so that you can spend your time and effort on actually I suppose the things that matter to the business because ultimately like the compliance side of it that's not that's not going to grow your business right it's just something you need to do um as sad as that sounds for me like we're <laughs> you know we're just a necessary evil in some ways um and so yeah the business owners should be marketing they should be designing products they should be ensuring that the the photos and the listings are optimized and they shouldn't really be doing the books Right. That's what we, we've always kind of talked about in this podcast is the efficiencies that you need to do as an entrepreneur, or what you need to achieve as an entrepreneur. I think um, when people come into this business, they don't realize all the different complexities that it used to be, quote unquote, a passive part time job, right? Like you would be able to throw it up there uh, on you, you started selling back in 2014, 13, 14. You're saying so as we both know, the evolution of how selling on these marketplaces has become so much more complex over time. Now it's no longer a passive thing. It's a full-time job 24 seven, almost to a nature of how am I going to optimize? How am I going to be able to grow? So what you're describing to me, Joseph is something that an Amazon seller or an entrepreneur should be no stranger to even nowadays of how do I continue to optimize? Is this one of the most overlooked uh, places in the, as an entrepreneur that you can really take this load off of your plate and really optimize yourself as a business owner? Do, do you mean the accounting function or? Yeah, and the account, let's, let's count the, right. I was going to say, is, is accounting maybe the top thing that you would consider as the most overlooked or is there another one that you exactly. personally think, because you are a seller, you are also an accountant. Uh, what are those, is that the most overlooked space or is there something else? It's, it's tough to say because the, the, I suppose the majority of the businesses I work with are, accounting clients right so they're they've kind of already outsourced that whole department to us um i guess what i would say is the ones who are less successful or the ones who fail i, I kind of notice that they try to cut corners and do things like cheap so they'll try and do it themselves 
And that might come to the photography, it might come to um, you know, the accounting, but what then kind of happens is that business owners, like although they're saving money um, and bootstrapping it, they're kind of doing so much stuff that they, their business doesn't really progress. Um, and yeah, I mean, to go to the question, what's the thing that I see that people would overlook the most there? I don't think there is one thing, but there, there's so much stuff you could look to optimize. I mean, PPC management, there's so many companies out there that do that. Um, listings management, um, like actually optimizing the, on, on, for Amazon, so there's any anyway. Copywriting. And, yeah. yeah things like um, and uh, actually some people, have you spoke with the guys at Citruna at all? Um, if, I don't think, if, no, I, I personally haven't talked with them yet. They're, so they're, um, they won't let me send their clients of ours. We actually share the same building, um, which was a complete coincidence because we've worked together for like four years. Um, they're also, most of them are ex Amazon employees. They're, um, yeah, I'll, I'll introduce you to them because they're really, really cool guys, but they basically run a service where they help optimize people's listings. Um, and you know, again, all that's a cost. If you if you're the business owner and not having to think about that, and you've got people that are experienced doing that, um, you could then be looking at product sourcing. But um, yeah, even that could be outsourced and trained to for VAs, can't it? Um, right. There's a lot. I think there's a lot nowadays besides the the beginning of a business, right? Like the products them as an entrepreneur, they or the seller themselves are maybe wanting to jump into, right? There's not too much in that regards that you can outsource because that is your, that is what is making you money. Ultimately, you need to make sure it's efficient. You need to make sure it's sourced correctly. There's not too many things that you can actually rely on other people and say, hey, find me this product X, Y, Z. Uh, if you are, it's maybe becoming more efficient in, hey, this is my product. Can I make it cheaper? Or can I maybe get it quicker? More things like that. But really the beginning of your business should be what you have your most hand on. And then obviously those other things you, there are great like PPC agencies, uh, accounting agencies, uh, tools and solutions. There's all these different things that you can just buy to help you utilize um, the resources that are now available. Unlike back in 2013, 14. So that evolution, are you, are you still actively a seller or is, is that kind of been pushed to the side? What, what, yeah. What's that stat stasis of that right now? So as of, probably about 2016 when I started probably like giving the accountancy my full attention. Um, and that actually happened when, so I went traveling. Um, I took like a break from it, went traveling and the, still had friends being like, Oh, can you do the bookkeeping? Can you do this? And I kind of had that as pocket money. Um, but I went from London to China overland. I went like trains and buses um, all the way down to Beijing. Um, and then, yeah, I was like, okay, I need a new challenge because I was kind of getting bored of, um, on Amazon, what we were doing was very rinse and repeat. And it felt like most of our time was then spent dealing with five, like one-star reviews and, and things like that where I wasn't enjoying it as much, but I was really enjoying working with my friends on helping them build their businesses. Um, and... Um, Sorry, yeah, I'm still an active seller. So no, when we we basically got that, when I did that, um, my two main business partners also kind of started working on other projects. And what we found was we had built, we had a bunch of VAs working for us that managed the inventory. Um, 
I was dealing with the accounts. Um, we had a few other VAs that dealt with customer service um, and a few other bits. And it was all just automated. And so we kind of had this discussion. We were like, well, look, it feels unfair if like those guys are working on it and I'm not because then I'm getting to benefit from their work um, and the other way around. So we just said, well, look, <clears throat> let's all work on separate projects and basically leave it automated. Um, and then kind of what it's meant is that since 2016, we've not launched any new products and slowly the ones like as more competition has come along, our ones have been like eroded. Um, so there are a few that are still surprisingly strong um but it's nowhere near the level it was kind of almost five years ago now um and yeah so the businesses are there but we're not we haven't really launched anything for a few years so if i'm the listener right now and i like uh they're probably going to ask me or tell me ryan why why don't you ask him this why not sell the business back then if you would rather move away from it maybe instead of managing it have someone else operate it as you, as everyone knows, or lots, a lot of people in the space do know, there's lots of different companies that would take successful brands that have longevity, ha- have the optimization route uh, ability to kind of take it to the next level. Why not sell it instead of just let it peter out on its own? Now that listener that's asking you to ask that question is an incredibly wise and clever person. <laughs> <laughs> I would, and the answer is we actually did try to do that at the time, and unfortunately. Um, the space was so different then. We had this exact same problem. We were going to um, business brokers. There were none. You didn't have um, like um, econ brokers, you know, Ben. Um, you don't have like, um, I think, what's his name? Corum from FBA broke of it. There are a bunch of like specialist niche brokers now that you could go to, mm-hmm. even on the, the big kind of flipper websites. Um, those kind of accommodate to it and people really understand it. For us, we approached a couple of different brokers um, and we also listed on um, a few of those main websites. Um, maybe it was on us because we were a bit too honest, but we basically said, like, here's this business. It's completely automated. Um, we, we, we literally don't spend much time on it. We had all of these discussions. Like the, the broker in the selling process was incredibly long then because you've got to explain everything to the broker who then had to explain it to his list. And <clears throat> I don't know, you, it just, we spent so much time going back and forth with all these people. And then you get right to the very end and they almost didn't believe you, even though like you give them access to all the financials, um, they kind of didn't know what they were looking at. Like, you, you know, you'd say, well, here's a secondary user to my seller central account. Most people back then didn't know what that was, but how to use it. And then I guess, cause I'm the accountant, I'm showing them all the figures that may be thinking that there's a conflict of interest. Um, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, Moving so money around or something <laughs> like that. Uh, yeah, and then you've got these like, you know, young guys being like, oh, yeah, we just, to be honest, spend half a day, if that. We've got a bunch of VAs that do all this, and they're like, oh, what's a VA? Um, whereas now, I feel like so many brokerages that we could, we could and should use, um, but the businesses have kind of eroded so much that it's kind of at the point where we're like, well, it's just – it basically it's built and building up loads of like quite a bit of cash there we, we can just liquidate it at the end or maybe we will sell it but the accountancy for me and the, the other guys working on the other things like may take up so much more time and, and are kind of worth more of our time that we just haven't really followed through um yeah who knows we, we might still do it i keep meaning to to um right yeah. it's a pa- it's more of a passive passive thing right now but 
uh, as everyone knows, that your main focus now, or if they've been listening to this now, uh, your main focus is now helping other people get going and building their brands and being successful on Amazon. So that being said, is are we just Amazon focused or are we e-com focused? Like what I know e-com accountants, you know, or e-commerce accountants lens can lend a couple different ways. What's the main focus for you guys over there? So we are completely a mix. Um, but interestingly, so when I started, I guess, because I had a lot of experience um, with Amazon, like Amazon was the main thing that we dealt with. Um, but then as I suppose, like as things have changed, we, we basically about two years ago, suddenly had lo- or three years ago, had just loads of people that were drop shipping on Shopify that just started appearing. Um, so now I'd say it's kind of 50-50 that we've got a bunch of Amazon sellers and now um, more that come through that are drop ship, like kind of selling on Shopify. Um, and I don't know if that was just a trend that more people were doing it or if it's the fact that now we've started to have lots of copycat accountants that come along. Um, you know, it's, it's quite trendy now to be like, oh, I specialize in a niche. Um, and I think it's the right thing to do. So, um, but yeah, you, you've got a bunch of other people that are having maybe a similar experience that I've had and, and also starting their own firms that kind of say they specialize in it or do specialize in it. Um, so, yeah, I was so, going to say, so with, with that being said, so you guys, like a lot of people are trying to replicate the success you guys are doing. Um, the, a seller might ask you if it hasn't already become a inevitable, like what, what would an accountant in this space help me do? Like what would, what would be that kind of the benefits that come with working with someone as knowledgeable as yourself or a service that's as, you know, ingrained in the numbers as you are on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, the biggest benefit would be that we basically save you a lot of time and a lot of headspace because by working with us, rather than you asking us how to do things or, te- or sorry, having to tell us how to do things, you, we've got a very standardized process. We know each of the different platforms inside out. Um, essentially, we kind of tell you what to do rather than it being the other way around. And going back to my original kind of story, the, the issue I had was I'd be hiring these accountants, potentially paying them money, but then having to also tell them how to do it. Whereas for us, like our clients engage with us and then they're like, oh, hey, I sell on Amazon. So we're like, okay, cool. We need this, this, and this. Um, let's look at, you know, if, if they start selling certain products or if they back when before Brexit, we kind of had a very good understanding of all the different VAT rules and VAT implications for when they were storing goods and or selling them in different jurisdictions. Um, th- there's just a bunch of like, I suppose, like nuances in the industry that we're just so familiar with that we'll just have the answer or if we spot it we can tell you how to deal with it is there um sorry i'm, I'm thinking about right. potentially yeah what what else um so in that regard so obviously there there's that bit the benefit is when, when should when should a seller maybe get involved with the accountant services like Obviously, so I'm going to draw a really, really terrible conclusion. Probably this is this is my podcast, so I can do that. Um, <laughs> uh, people at certain point in their lives, obviously, they can they can do their um, their taxes by themselves, or they can do uh, with with certain services or software, whatnot. You you know, I still do that on a day to day 
you know, year to year basis and whatnot. When here in the United States, you have to pay your uh, federal, your state taxes and whatnot. It's pretty easy um, to figure it out yourself. But as more things become involved, like more investments become involved, more finance become involved, you have investment pro- uh, investment properties, you have children, you have mortgages, all, all these kinds of things. Uh, just like a business, they start to really, they really start to take on a new like line on him, if you will. And they get a little more hairy. You, you're like, did I do that right? I'm not really sure, but we're going to move on with it. So at what juncture, if you're going to kind of correlate that same thing with the business owner and entrepreneur and e-commerce world, what is the moment that they need to maybe start really investing in a service like that? Um, there, there's that fine line, right? Of mm-hmm. I can do this by themselves. It's pretty easy to figure out, you know, pros and cons of doing it by myself versus a service. What would that line in the sand be that once you've crossed that threshold, now's the time I need to start investing in a service. So interestingly, um, uh, as you mentioned about doing your own taxes in the UK, not everybody has to do a tax return. So I'd, I'd say that maybe people in the US might be a bit more literate when it comes to their taxes. Cause is that right? That everyone has to do a tax return. You do. Uh, so you can either pay a service, um, and, and technically this would be if you are a, a business owner or if you um, hadn't generated any sort of income. Uh, mm. So clearly that applies to majority of people. It's very oversimplified. That's oversimplifying it to a 10th degree. But um, for the most part, everyone does have to file some sort of uh, taxes, whether it be, you know, uh, unemployment or some sort of um, earnings. And then obviously you have those different tiers based upon we should pay any more or if you get a return. So in theory, everyone is doing that. You should be by law. You need to be, but uh, not everyone does. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what's interesting is that in the UK, that's not the case. Actually here, the only people that have to do a tax return. And again, this is simplifying it a bit, but it's essentially those that are self-employed or have kind of other income to declare like business owners or people that are investing. Um, Most people, when they have a job, it's all taken care of by the employer and they don't have to think about taxes or the the government, HMRC, um, in the UK. They don't have to think about it. So for most people, and it's not taught in schools either, like what to do. So for most people, it's actually quite quite a daunting task that they start. They're starting to a business and they're kind of, they don't know what to do. Um, And to be honest, like a quick Google, looking at some of the, the... the HMRC's kind of guidance, but definitely can help. Um, and you can always figure it out, but it goes back to what I said earlier, that it's, I suppose, how you're valuing your time. Um, so someone who's trying to bootstrap it, they're much better at waiting and trying to go on HMRC and figure stuff out for themselves. Whereas someone who, like, I suppose, has got another job, they're kind of funding the business through their other job, but you kind of have them having that side hustle, right? They might say, well, I don't want to come home after a hard day's work and then have to look up kind of legislation on how to register the taxes and things like that when actually I can just pay someone to do it. Um, but I suppose to give you a, a, a like a better answer for, for UK businesses, um, we typically turn people away or say to them, come back to us at a later point when one, they're kind of not generating any revenue. So if you've, if you're starting out, there's no point engaging an accountant because you're better off spending your time and effort focusing on actually getting started and especially spending the money on buying products to begin with, because don't pay me, 
like buy, buy stuff and start making sales. Um, and and then it kind of, it, honestly, it, it really depends. It depends on if you're doing it as a sole trader, which is like as an individual, or if you're forming a, a, a limited company, which is um, I think in, what you guys would call an LLC or a C corp. LLC. Yep. Yeah. So once you form a limited company, things become a bit more technical. Um, but company or individual, if you start trading, you're not going to have to file something straight away. You've usually got about a year to, to before you got to do anything. So I'd recommend that people, I suppose, either get in touch with an accountant first of all, just to find out when your first deadline is, and then say to yourself, okay, um, then like wait nine months or, or a year, or you know, leave a good buffer time before that actual deadline, um, but just focus on the business then. And um, if you speak to a good accountant, they should tell you make sure you have good record keeping, have a separate bank account for your transactions. And then that way, you, like it makes their life easier down the line. Um, and yeah, just focus on the business. Um, the other kind of key times we tell people that they need to, to start thinking about an accountant, um, and this is in the UK, would be when your sales are above 85,000 pounds, so your turnover, um, or approaching that. Is that per reason, month or is that a, is that per month, Joseph, or is that? No, per, it's, it's yeah. a rolling, it's a rolling 12 months. So it's it's basically in a year. So if if over the last 12 months, your sales have been almost 85,000 um, pounds, that's the UK VAT registration threshold. So when you cross that point, legally, you're supposed to register for VAT and start collecting and paying it to HMRC. Um, so at that point, yeah, you can register yourself and you can do your VAT returns yourself. But I would say that your time's much better off spent actually um giving it to a professional who can just do it for you um even though most like it's not rocket science most people can do it but i, I think the time saving is is well worth it um and yeah if you've got a limited company it's the same thing it, it's like it's approaching your year end usually but then if if let's say you've been going for two months and suddenly you're generating 100 or 200k in revenue it's probably worth getting someone in sooner just to stop right. that pile of work mounting up um yeah or just being audited in general <laughs> yeah although you wouldn't yeah you wouldn't be audited until at least the end of your first year i think um do the unfair of hmrc to do it in that <laughs> straight away um but yeah for a u.s business if or anyone that's non-uk if you sell or store goods in the uk you're now required to register for vat um and start kind of declaring it to hmrc um if you sell on, a, on an online marketplace, which is abbreviated to OMP, um, if you sell on an OMP like Amazon or eBay, then technically that they, they're kind of responsible for collecting and remitting the VAT. Um, but technically you're still then required to say, I have like nil VAT to pay. Um, and you might actually then always be in a reclaim position because you're spending, you're like paying VAT on services somewhere, um, even though you're not collecting any. Right. So maybe to clarify to you for VAT value added tax, um, a lot of people in the United States, if you're selling as a brand here in the United States and going into uh, the UK, that that's the one thing I was here of. How do I navigate that? Can you kind of give us like some basic like what it is, how often people need to pay it and when it's applicable? Because I know even that changed at the beginning of 2021. Um, those kind of thresholds we touched on a little bit, but for someone who's thinking, I want to sell in the United Kingdom, it's 
the third largest market, if not uh, the second largest market in the Amazon. Just Brexit kind of like threw a lot of people off because it's its own kind of island, if you will, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> but uh, can you can you kind of give that breakdown of what's different about selling in the UK versus if I sold in the United States in that regard? Yeah, um, and what's interesting with the Brexit debacle, um, actually the EU and the U, like the UK, while it's part of the EU, had planned on making the changes that the UK made on on the first of January um, before Brexit. Um, that before Brexit was was really given that date. Um, but what then happened was the UK, because of Brexit, said, "Well, we're just going to make the changes on that date." Um, and the EU said because of the pandemic, that they would actually postpone those changes until the 1st of July. So it wasn't, which they've now done. So the EU and the UK have made exactly the same changes, which they agreed while they were part of the EU, but um, because of Brexit, just the UK decided to implement it earlier. And everyone's kind of called it a Brexit tax or something. It's like, no, it's, it's genuinely nothing really to do directly with Brexit. Um, Interesting. But sorry, yeah, a bit of a side story there. Um, you asked what, like, how how to explain VAT for people in the US? Yes, yeah. If I'm if I'm if I'm growing my brand, which I think a lot of people have made that their focal point on uh, 2021, maybe moving into 2022. There's a lot of uh, potential growth, but obviously with the pandemic, I think that slowed a lot of that talk down. But as people start to kind of the world operates again, start to moving in its full capacity, hopefully um, uh, sooner than later, a lot of people want to know. If I'm looking at a market as uh, strong as the UK is in terms of Amazon or other types of marketplaces, there's different requirements in terms of taxing um, numbers and whatnot. How do how do we make that make sense? Like, what are the VAT requirements or tax requirements? What's different from starting my own storefront and brand in the UK versus maybe in the United States? Yeah. So VAT is effectively it's a sales tax. Um, so in the US, you handily call that sales tax in, in the UK with VAT. Um, the difference in the UK versus the US is that in the US, you guys add sales tax on at checkout, right? And as, as a foreigner, when I go to the US, I find it so annoying because I go, I see like, oh, this beer is $5 and then at the, you know, I've got my $5 ready and then, oh, it's actually five twenty-seven or something. And you're like, but it says it's $5. Um, for us, it, like in the UK and in the EU, the, the concept is it's completely different. Stuff's advertised that the price that includes the tax, the sales tax. So if, it, if the beer is £5, the beer is £5, and there's an element of that that's, that's going to be VAT. Um, so as a consumer, it's much nicer because you know what you're paying for. Um, and... Essentially, for anyone that then wants to sell over here, like on Amazon or on Shopify, um, yeah, it, it's just a sales tax. Um, if that is a, a way of boiling it yeah. down. So, so in that regards, is the consumer paying for that or is, um, yeah. is the business going to be paying for that? No, so essentially the consumer pays for it because it's – it's it's included within the price so you as the business owner um you're collecting it on behalf of the government and then you pay it to the government and what you kind of found historically was that a lot of overseas sellers were obviously 
not doing that. Um, and that's causing a big problem and a lot of a loss of revenue to, to the government. Um, and it was also unfair because UK businesses were complying because they knew they were supposed to and overseas businesses weren't, which meant that if you're selling something on Amazon, and let's say you're selling something for £12, um, the UK business would be selling it actually for £10 plus £2 VAT because the VAT rate is 20%, so it'd be 10 plus 20%. Um, whereas the US business could sell it for £11 and actually not pay, you know, would probably not pay the VAT. Some some probably were being compliant. We've got clients in the US that are compliant. But um, you, you see it would be unfair because they could completely like cut, undercut people on price. Um, so the government brought in all of these rules and changes on the marketplaces to kind of force the marketplaces to um, enforce it. And they've they basically said to Amazon, if someone doesn't have a VAT number that's overseas and you're not enforcing that, then you're going to be responsible for it. So suddenly Amazon now are like, okay, um, when you list something there as an overseas seller, they look at your address, they see you're in the US and they're like, okay, this person, one, needs to have a VAT number and two, they then collect the VAT at checkout and it shouldn't really, it shouldn't even be going into your account now. It just, Amazon hold it and pay it to HMRC. Um, which kind of me like for some businesses might make it feel to them like oh i don't need to do anything because amazon's doing it but technically you're still then supposed to register so you have that number and then submit your returns every quarter um so they have to be submitted every three months and to basically say to hmrc this is how much money was collected by amazon um and this is how much we collected elsewhere because you might have a shop or a store in the uk or something Sure. Um, and effectively, yeah, we don't owe you anything. Um, so but, registering for a number, like that would be the first place to start. How do, is that easy to achieve? Is there lots of loophole or like uh, hoops to jump through? What, what's kind of the, the nature so, of getting a number? I personally think it's straightforward. You know, it's effectively filling out a form, right? Um, they, for some reason, HMRC have made it more difficult for overseas businesses in that um, they actually ask when you submit the forms, they will then come back and be like, whoa, 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 like, are you sure you need a number? Are you sure? Like, uh, and they'll send you a, list, a bunch of other questions and things like that. Um, and actually what we found, because we were, it's a bit frustrating for us getting a lot of pushback. So we you know, managed to get hold of someone and they basically said, oh, um, off the record, we've, there was a big, big error. Um, and basically because of the, like all the changes that they made, uh, plus Brexit, they had all of these overseas businesses registering, which one um, basically like overloaded HMRC's system. It was almost like a, a, a DDoS attack on, on their systems. They basically just got overloaded with work. And they'd also made a huge mistake in that they had like communicated something wrong to Amazon. And so Amazon pushed out this big blast to all of their sellers um, and got a load of people to try and register who didn't actually need to register. So then they started making it more difficult because for them, they didn't want to have to do the work if someone was deregistering. Um, but obviously for us, we were only registering people that were supposed to be registered and it was a bit frustrating. Um, so long answer, it should be straightforward, but sometimes it's not. Short answer, sorry. Right. So, so in that regards, um, just being able to get your number, theoretically, it's, it's a little bit easier. Is there a time frame where people need to start registering either before they're selling or before they want to list on a marketplace like uh, Amazon UK, what, what's kind of that timeline of, hey, I want to start selling in January of 2022. 
want to make my preparations right now. When do I need to start prepping and getting all this in line before I hit the go button on uh, Amazon, you know, UK.UK? So in the UK, it usually takes um, two to four weeks to get the VAT number. And that's if you're an overseas business. For a UK business, like I said, they're sometimes a bit quicker and can do it in a few days. Um, but what you sometimes find, it becomes this weird chicken and egg situation because if they come back to you, you try and register and then they say, one of the questionnaire questions is like, well, where do you sell? And you say, well, I don't sell anywhere yet because I'm waiting for the number and I can't sell until I get the number. Like it sometimes depends on even the HMRC um, agent that you get like to, to jump through those hoops. Um, I would definitely recommend trying to do it as soon as you plan on selling in the UK. Um, if you think to yourself it's going to be in a few months time register straight away because there's going to be no extra taxes you have to pay just for being registered um you know you might have a slightly like an extra accounting fee for doing a, a blank return for one quarter um but getting it there first just means that when you then place the order for your goods getting them into the country um, and getting them in into amazon's warehouse will be so much more like frictionless um whereas if you Imagine like placing an order with like you've got your goods in China or, or wherever they are, you get them to the port and then suddenly they're asking for your VAT number for the clearance documents. And actually, like it kind of gets backlogged because you're waiting for the number and then you're getting charged with these extra fees. Um, yeah, just a headache. So I'd say as soon as you're thinking of doing it, just get it done. Right. Always, so then we register if you don't. Sorry. I was going to say, yeah, no, that makes sense because that would be the first thing to get going and, and kind of greases the rest of the processes um, as you get going. Um, is there anything else in terms of like numbers that make uh, that actually are uh, either difficult to understand or might be a little bit different than the traditional, uh, you know, getting sold, uh, selling on a marketplace like the United States? Like what are those additions? other numbers that people need to be aware of because you mentioned paying VAT quarterly, which again, a lot of people are like, is that monthly? Is that quarterly? Um, traditionally what that's at the end of the quarter, correct? Yeah. And the, the, so your VAT can be done is, is usually done quarterly. You can do it monthly, but you have to apply for it. Um, and the, the, the quarters, are different for everyone so you could have a january quarter i could have a february someone else could have a march and then it's quarterly thereafter um the pay the submission of the return and the payment are due on the same day and that's always five weeks after the quarter has ended so let's say um august has just ended it would actually be so five weeks after that would be um in september so 7th of October um, and the reason it's five weeks is because that's like one month and one week uh, so it's basically one month and one week but we just say five weeks um, so it's the following seventh of the month is when it has to be submitted and paid um, very confusing uh, when, oh, when, when you say it the first time but we need we need a spreadsheet just to even talk about it right now yeah you, you need an accountant just yeah get I was gonna say listen, and then let them worry about it yeah, I was going to say, you're uh, just you're just selling me on why I need uh, you and your services uh, and your team. Um, but in that regard, um, so knowing when it's due, um, I've, I've actually heard this from sellers before. What if they don't pay it? Like you, you had alluded to earlier, some overseas companies would just not pay it. What what are the ramifications for that? Is there like a grace period? Is there like a, 
um, yeah. a certain threshold? Like what, what was kind of those things that happen if you don't pay your VAT? So um, if you don't submit your return and if you don't pay it, there's kind of similar things, but essentially um, they will chase it and they will send you some kind of strongly worded letters, first of all. Um, but they're kind of, I've noticed they've been a bit like, quicker to, to act with overseas businesses, maybe because they've got less jurisdiction on them. Um, but what happens is they, they actually just freeze your VAT number. And um, so that it's all, there's like an online system, um, effectively like as a giant API for it. And they will say that your VAT number is no longer valid. And then this will trigger um, onto Amazon because in Amazon, are technically they've got to enforce that. And Amazon, what you'll find should and do block your listings from selling until your VAT number becomes active again. Um, so it's quite smart because they, you, you then can't sell unless you like reactivate your VAT exactly. number. Because um, Amazon don't want to be liable for it. Um, so yeah, the short answer is HMS will just freeze your number and you won't be able to sell. Um, if you owe them some money and then closed your business, like realistically there's, there's not really going to be much I can see them doing. But for, for the effort of having to like create businesses, create an Amazon account. You kind of, yeah. And they then, I'm pretty sure they keep a database of the people that have had VAT numbers like that, which they cross check, which is why they kind of make all of the overseas sellers jump through more hoops um, when registering because they don't want people to kind of abuse it. Um, so, yeah. Is there, um, maybe before, as we're kind of wrapping up the last couple of minutes or so of the, pot, uh, of the show and the episode, what, what are some other maybe things that sellers need to be aware of in terms of numbers? Uh, we call this making having numbers make sense. Is there is there something that you wish or you see that most sellers are not um, aware of or they're not paying attention to pretty consistently and it's it's kind of a big deal? Like what, what would be that thing if you had to put your thumb on it? So this will sound incredibly stupid to some people. Um, but we see quite a lot of the time some people actually don't even sell their products profitably, especially when they're selling on Amazon. Um, so what they'll do is they'll see, oh, okay, I'm listing the product for £10 or £12. Um, great, I'm going to get this £12 when I sell it. They forget that they've got to collect the VAT. So that's one-sixth of the gross selling price. Um, so one-sixth of 12 is two. Um, they'll have an FBA fee, they'll have the seller fee, um, and you kind of end up with like £2.50 left after all that. And if you paid £3 per product, you're losing 50p. So the more, and then the more you sell, the bigger your loss is. Um, so it kind of sounds really silly, but actually really make sure that before you place an order, um, unless you're doing it strategically um, to make sure that your products are profitable, um, because it can be incredibly painful and terrible for cash flow if you're selling your products at a loss. Um, and I've seen loads of people do it where they, and they'll try and say to me, oh, I'm selling it so cheap so that I can go up in the Amazon listings. But yeah, it just, it doesn't work. Because when you get there, you then start increasing the price. And unless people are gonna pay the increased price, you're, you're kind of screwed. So I always think it's better to just sell it profitably, but maybe try and find another launch strategy. Um, you know, and we've not even spoken about including PPC and that kind of cost. And right. yeah, so you advertising just people... or giveaways or coupons or anything like that. So 
Yeah, you see, you said a majority of people are doing that. Is there is there a tool or resource that you recommend as kind of a starting point of maybe you should look at this spreadsheet or um, maybe like a breakdown calculator, if you will, of hey, input cost of goods, and this is like the best way to kind of predictively guess. Again, not nothing's one hundred percent foolproof. Is there a tool or someone they should talk to about that before getting going? This guy. Um, so I've got a little spreadsheet that I've made for it. Um, I'm sure there are going to be other calculators out there. I mean, maybe we should put one on our website. Um, the, the main difference on it is, is going to be the FBA fee because that's mainly based on weight and size. Um, and obviously the selling commission if you're in a slightly different category. Um, so to be honest, it is usually better to, to try and do it yourself unless you've got can pay someone who knows what they're doing to kind of look at each part of the cost to make sure that that number is right. Because even if you got your products like a centimeter or an inch too big, you're suddenly your costs at Amazon go through the roof. Um, so yeah, you, you just need to make sure that you, you factor all of that in and, and get it all completely correct. Of course. I mean, there, there's so many other things I would love to kind of just ask about, but I know we're already up on time. So, but just if people have questions or if they need to reach out to you, like what are, what are those ways and best to connect with you, you and your team or you individually? So if anyone wants to um, like get in touch with us at e-commerce accountants, um, the website's ecommerceaccountants.co.uk. We've got like a little web to lead form on in the top right hand corner. Um, in terms of like getting in touch with me personally, the best thing to do is to get in touch on LinkedIn. Um, I'm kind of, I do get bombarded with stuff sometimes. So if, if you are messaging me from here, let me know that you you watched Ryan's show and then um, I'll be sure to actually make sure that I do know that you're a real person and not a bot um, <laughs> and I'll definitely respond. Um, yeah, and, and as you said at the beginning, I've got my little fledgling YouTube e-commerce show, youtube.com slash e-commerce show. And where I kind of talk to people like yourself, Ryan, that are in the industry, um, it's been on the back burner for the last few months because I've spent so much time rebuilding all of our internal processes. And honestly, I, I'm so impressed the fact you managed to get to 157 episodes. It's um, me too. Me too. Yeah, it's incredible. It's hard work. Hey, <laughs> it's so much hard it's, uh, work. Yeah, I want to. I want to. It's it's people like yourself that are willing to say yes to spend an hour of their time. Again, we talked about time. Is it's. Uh, that's the one currency that, you know, this is a current, we're a currency company. Um, technically it's, it's something that you don't get back. So applying it to something like this, where you're educating people, where you're always trying to build that knowledge base, if you will, people like yourself who are saying, yes, uh, when do you want me? Uh, that's why it's so successful. And, or at least I like to think it's successful. So I appreciate the kind words. And of course, um, working with people like yourself, make it easy um, to refer people to and to talk out. Um, when you guys do it the right way, people who walk the walk, talk the talk, all that fun stuff. It makes it makes doing this and, and playing around with uh, the podcast arena, if you will, um, that more fun. So I appreciate your time and spending some uh, of your your day with us here at Crossover Commerce. So Joseph, again, thank you so much. And we've linked out to your YouTube channel and uh, the website all in the comments and the show notes as well for those listening on the podcast. Again, thank you so much for hopping on Crossover Commerce. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Ryan. Bye, everyone. No problem. We'll talk to you soon. Now, friend of the show, Joseph Cox of e-commerce accounts. Again, everyone else, thank you so much for hopping on and listening to Crossover Commerce. Again, this is episode 157 of 
my corner of the internet. It's a little dark today, so I apologize for the lighting. If, if I'm hiding in the background, it's it's not for uh, for lack of trying to figure out what, why it's so doomy and gloomy. It's first day of fall today, so therefore it's um, uh, of course it's going to drop 20 degrees here and be overcast. So that being said, uh, it was a pleasure, obviously, talking with Joseph and uh, e -commerce, of e-commerce accountants. Again, if you have questions about expanding internationally, uh, making the numbers work for you, it, it's so important. I think that's a fascinating takeaway to hear from him saying people just aren't making sure that they're profitable at the end of the day with whether they know that the numbers are adding up to be uh, less than what they're paying for. Maybe that's not a product that you want to go in business for, or there's a, a reason for it, but you don't want it to be your first product uh, to market and you're constantly pouring money into it when it's not going to be profitable. Doesn't make math work uh, for you. So let's not get caught in that, in that web, if you will. So um, obviously connect with um, Joseph and his team over there at ecommerceaccountants.co.uk. And then obviously you can connect with him on LinkedIn. His um, profile will be in the comments as well as the show notes as well. Thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in again. Another great episode tomorrow. Just kind of a quick teaser. Uh, episode 158 we'll have. We talked about him quickly in the show. We'll have back on friend of the show, Ben Leonard of Ecom Brokers. He's going to be talking about how to make your business valuable and sellable. Um, of course, that's what every person's talking about nowadays with their e-commerce brand, how to make everything more valuable and sellable. He has expertise in that. And then, of course, on Friday, um, friend uh, seller sessions uh, with Danny McMillan is going to be on as well, kind of capping a fun week, if you will, about what to know about Amazon's A9 algorithm. That's also super exciting to talk with him. Very successful podcast, but also a great event in its of itself that's going to be happening here in October. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But other than that, I'm Ryan Kramer. This is Crossover Commerce episode 157. We'll catch you guys next time. Take care.